Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into a consistent income. Today, I'm joined by my producer, Eric Johnson. Eric, how are you doing today? Jeremy, I'm great. I'm excited to get into this conversation. Uh, I know that we're talking about RMDs, which is... You get it. Required minimum distributions. I got a feeling you're a long ways away from the required minimum distribution age, but you'll be well prepared after this conversation. Okay, deal. I've got a few years yet, but uh, I know I'm here to learn. Yeah, so we're talking lower your taxes on required minimum distributions. And why are we talking about required minimums kind of in the beginning part of the year? Well, a whole lot of reasons. One of them is that just recently, the rule, the age with required minimum distributions went from the age of 70 and a half to 72. And now they're actually talking about updating that to 75. There's a uh, bill called the Secure Act 2.0 was just passed in March, April by the House. And it might be taken up by the Senate, might be uh, signed into law. But one of the big provisions from there, we'll talk about maybe a couple of them, but one of the big provisions is that the required minimum, the RMD age, may get jumped up to 75. And that's, that's going to affect a lot of people. But in a good way. Well, that's what just about everyone thinks. But the experts that we talk to, and I run the math and look at some things, the, the downside, uh, we, we listen to IRA expert Ed Slot. We've talked about him before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He says uh, a couple things. One, most people actually take out more than their required minimum because they need the money. So for those people that take out more, like you need the money, you're still going to take it out even if you're not forced to. So for a lot of people, it doesn't even affect you in any way. Then there's the other people that don't need the money. And for those people, he says, Ed says, that the jump to 75 is actually going to harm you. Because what happens from 70 to 75? Hopefully, you make more money. And the way required minimum distributions work is every year that you get older, you have a higher percentage that you have to take out. So here you are, 75 instead of 72 or 70 and a half previously. Hopefully, your money grew over the prior three or five years. So you got more money. Then you have a higher percentage. So guess what? You are forced to take out more money at that point. And the older you get, the more likely you'll become widowed, the more likely you'll be facing the single taxpayer rates compared to the married filing Mm -hmm. joint rates. Mm -hmm. So most likely, for all these people, you have more money at a higher percentage at a higher tax rate. How's that helping you out? It, it, it seems that way because people generally hate require minimums you know, as kind of a, a rule of thumb, but it's actually kind of harming you when you run through the math uh, sometimes. So that's why we're talking today, how do you lower your taxes on require minimum distributions? And I will say the positive of perhaps they jump it to 75 is that just gives you more time to prepare. And we like preparing and planning things out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Are you saying, I want to go back to something you said, are you saying that the percentage that you have to take out changes every year? Every single year. And I wish they would do a percentage. They do something called a divisor, and it's supposedly based on your life expectancy, but it's not based on your life expectancy. It's really goofy. Hmm. Um, basically, I'll, I'll, I like to translate it to percentages because it makes life a little bit easier. But basically, when you start, 
roughly speaking, at 72-ish, you have to take out roughly 4% per year. Then you get into your, you know, maybe around 80, it's like 5%. You get into your 80s, it's 6, 7, 8%. You get into your 90s, it's like 10% a year. The, the older you get, the higher the percentage is because it's roughly somewhat based on life expectancy. The older you get, the less years you have left, the higher percentage they want you to, to take out every year. So when they get to the point where they tell you you got to take out 100%, <laughs> they're betting that you're gone that year is what you're telling yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> so it's something like at age 115, you got to take out half. Oh, so some people say, when does it stop? The answer is basically 115. So let okay. me know when you get there and then we can, um, you know, uh, not have to worry about it so much anymore. have to do some anymore. planning for that. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. But that's, I, I'm glad you brought that up specifically because so many people are uh, surprised. They're surprised. Wait a second. Why do I have to take out more this year yeah. than last year? Especially the first couple of years. Well, you know, thankfully the market went up. So your percentage is on a higher amount. Mm-hmm. And guess what? You're older. Your percentage went up. It's, it's a... You know, double whammy, you end up taking out more. And so the thing you hate, taking out money and paying the taxes on it, all of a sudden gets bigger. And even in the old days of 70 and a half, a lot of times you can start taking out your money at 59 and a half, and then at 70 and a half uh, previously. That's 11 years you had to plan for this. I mean, really you got more, but let's just focus on those. Before you had 11 years, now you have like 12 or 13. Maybe if it's age 75, you got like 15 plus years you got no excuses this is coming up. You know, what's ahead. Let's plan for it and mm-hmm. get ready to lower those taxes on the required minimum distributions. All right. Yeah. That sounds good to me. Yeah. I'm going to uh, just bring up something real quick to the secure act 2.0, because there's so many things in there and I hate talking about proposed legislation, but this is one that's been talked about a little bit for a while that the idea of the required minimum might go up to 75, but another one, which is interesting, is that these catch-up contributions when you hit age 50, that might be increased as well too, based on inflation. And I think that's a, a, a good thing. What's also interesting is that they might add another catch-up, like a double catch-up if mm. you're 62 or 63 or 64. Uh, so that's interesting. And that might just make life a little bit weird. Like why is your advisor or your HR department asking, are you 62? Like they, a lot, you're kind of used to HR not asking your age but they might need to just to figure out if you can get into the second catch-up area. So we'll find out what happens there. And here's an interesting one is they are talking about even forcing these catch-up provisions, the ability to put more money into your 401k, they might force it into there as a Roth contribution. And so many places that I talk to, so many people I talk to, they're retiring with a million dollars or more, and it's all traditional. And so it's, it's interesting here, this idea that you can add maybe more money into it, but it's forced into Roth. Um, we don't like when people are forced to do things, but it might be a, a nice thing to have a little bit more Roth money because it's only the traditional money. I'll, I'll use this as the focus point that it's only the traditional money, whether it's 401k or IRA, that's what gets uh, forced out to you with the required minimum distributions. And mm-hmm. so that's one thing you ought to be looking at, thinking of right now, what do I have in my traditional IRA? What will it project out to when I hit that required minimum age, whatever it is, 70 and a half it used to be, now it's 72, might be 75 by the end of 2022, we'll see on there. That's the amount that ends up being taxed later on coming out forced as a taxable event in the required minimum distribution area. Got it. So here we go. We got three steps, three ways to help lower your taxes on your required minimum distributions. Step one is plan it out. Ahead of time, we were just saying that you could uh, have more 
more opportunity. You definitely do have more time because uh, they've already bumped it up to 72 with this required minimum. Perhaps it'll be 75 soon. But here's where things get so interesting later on. And let's just let's just pretend you're lower 60s and you've just retired. You might not have started Social Security. You definitely don't have required minimum distributions. You're not old enough yet. Mm-hmm. But here's what's interesting. Required minimum distributions and Social Security, they work together on your tax form for what some people call the tax torpedo. And the tax torpedo shows up because the way Social Security gets taxed is based on how much other income you have. And it just might be that you're in your early, mid-60s, late-60s, and your income might be lower than it will be in a few years because you're not taking out the required minimum distributions. Hmm. And oftentimes, if your other income is lower, there's less of your Social Security being taxed. Your Social Security, 0 to 85% of it will be taxed. It shows up, whatever that amount is, shows up at whatever tax rate you're at. So here's, here's the math. It just might be that you, and we see this all the time, so often, especially for people who are newly widowed, who are single in retirement, but we see it quite often where your tax return shows a pretty low amount of Social Security being taxed. There's a pretty low tax rate. And then this required minimum distribution shows up. So let's pretend it's $10,000. You got a $10,000 required minimum distribution. It could very well be the case that you pay taxes on that 10 grand. You know that. But it might bring along 8,500 of your Social Security so that it went from tax-free to taxable. So all of a sudden in one year, you think you're paying taxes on 10 grand extra, you might be paying taxes on 18,500 extra because your required minimum plus this amount of Social Security that just might show up as taxable. And here's where it gets really interesting and why they call it the tax torpedo. So many people are around the top of the 12% tax bracket. And if you're at the top of the 12% tax bracket, you're really close to being at the bottom of the 22% tax bracket. (laughs) And if you're adding on 10 grand extra of required minimum, which potentially adds 8,500 extra of social security, $18,500 might be showing up on next year's tax return compared to this year's tax return at the 22% rate. 22% Mm. on 18,500 is about $4,100. So the only thing that happened different as you took out 10 grand extra required minimum and you ended up paying 4,100 extra of federal taxes, that's really a 41% tax cost. That's why it's called a tax torpedo. Because last year, things were looking good. Not too much of your social security was taxed. You're paying in, inside the 12% tax bracket. And then boom, more money shows up, probably because of required minimum. And that costs you 41%. That happens so often. Uh, we see that happen all the time, especially when people are, are newly widowed or single because you get to those 22% brackets quicker. You get to where social security is taxed higher uh, quicker. That's that's a big deal. And we want people to understand this ahead of time, figure out how can you reduce your required minimum so that in the future, you're not hitting this tax torpedo year in and year out. Mm. Yeah, tax torpedo just doesn't sound friendly. It doesn't sound friendly. And uh, a lot of times people come into that and they're blindsided. They say, well, what can I do about it? Well, you can do a lot. And even if you haven't done it ahead of time, that was just last year. You got a fresh new year. You got all these years ahead of you. You can plan it out and say, yep, that happened. That's no fun. But what can I do ahead of time? And we'll talk about a couple ideas. So be aware of this tax torpedo. Plan out what your required minimum is going to be ahead of time. See how it's going to affect your Social Security taxation ahead of time. And really, we've, we've kind of alluded to this. 
there's two big times when your taxes will change. When you're in retirement, a lot of times you enter retirement when you're married, and at some point in time, the first person passes away. Now you're filing as a single individual. Now your required minimum stays basically the same, but your Social Security becomes taxable quicker, your tax brackets jump up quicker, so you have an opportunity, if you are married, to start paying taxes and taking care of this whole Social Security situation ahead of time. And so we encourage people to try to pay taxes when they can, when they're married and filing that way, so that it helps out the widow or widower, whoever that surviving spouse is later on down the road. You've got more room in those brackets to actually pay the taxes at a lower situation than you do later on. So that's one thing. If you're if you are married, not yet single, uh, because you haven't been a widow yet, thank you know, thank your lucky stars for a lot of reasons. But one of them is to do some great tax planning as a married couple to help out that surviving spouse. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our 5-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com Use the number or spell it out. You'll get there either way. Fivestepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening. And now for the rest of the show. Another thing to plan out ahead of time is this whole Social Security tax torpedo deals with Social Security. If you're not on Social Security yet, you don't have to worry about it. And so the time, the years before you file for Social Security, or maybe if there's two of you and only one of you have filed for Social Security, that time is a beautiful time to start planning out and paying taxes on purpose. And what's so interesting, we, we see this not happening with so many people. Some people look at last year's taxes. Less people look at this year's taxes. Hardly anyone looks at the upcoming year's taxes. Mm-hmm. That's what a good tax planner does. That's what a retirement-focused financial advisor does. That's what we do. We project out this year's tax situation with you and project out the next few years of your tax situation. We even go where we say, let's let's figure out how long your retirement might last. If it's 30 years, 35 years, we'll end up with 35 years worth of tax projections. And the whole point of that is that you can get a picture of what your tax situation might look like before Social Security, after Social Security, before required minimum, after required minimum, while you're married, when somebody becomes widowed. And you can see right in there, what tax bracket are you likely to be in? And think of your taxes almost like a teeter-totter, where if you're paying a lot of taxes up front and not much later on, or the opposite, if you've got lower taxes today and higher taxes in the future, your your teeter-totter is out of kilt somehow. It's out of of whack there. Mm -hmm. And what's so interesting is if you can try to keep that level, then your taxes over your lifetime actually go down. We see often that trying to levelize out your taxes is a way to to often you know, reduce your whole tax bill over your lifetime by 20, 30% we see. Hmm. And the reason why is because your taxes are not too high, not too low, they're just right. It's the Goldilocks tax situation where if you look today and say, hey, I'm in the 12% tax bracket, I'm in the 22% tax bracket, but in the future, I'll be in the 25 or 28% tax bracket, what do you want to do? You want to pay your taxes today. 
at the 12 or 22% rate so that you're avoiding the ones in the future at 25 or 28. Yeah. And sometimes people see that and say, that's great. I want to pay a lot of taxes today. Well, no, no, no. Uh, you've got this bar that we want to kind of pay the taxes up to. Let's just go with the 25% level. And if you're paying taxes at 10%, 12%, 22%, you're beating the future level of 25. But if you do too much of a good thing, if you do too much of a Roth conversion or too much of selling of stock, whatever it is that gets you to pay taxes this year, you might jump over and pay mm -hmm. higher than the 25% tax bracket. So just the concepts that we're talking about, these are all great concepts, but there can be too much of a good thing. It's not like the government sends you a card and says, guess what? This year, 2022, you're in the 12% tax bracket, no matter what. Make a billion dollars. I don't care. Here's your tax <laughs> card. You're at 12%. No, that's not how it works. Yeah. It's whatever your income shows up as throughout this year. A little bit's at zero, then 10, then 12, then 22, then 24. It keeps on going from there. And as you fill up your tax brackets, you'll get to the point where you filled it up enough. You don't want to go above that because then you'll actually be paying higher taxes today than you would have in the future. So you're just trying to see kind of what are these different tax brackets over time. Let's fill up the tax brackets at the lower rates to help avoid the ones at the higher rates. That's how you go about it. Yeah. I love the fact that you, you know, call them teeter-totter because it's all about balance. And that planning that you're talking about helps you balance all those things throughout mm -hmm. the years. It's, I think, like you said, it's just something that people don't think about. They don't think about taxes in two years, five years, ten years. Because um, yeah. I certainly didn't think about it going that high later on when I'm, even when I'm not making as much money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, you get this tax tor torpedo. People say, why would I possibly pay taxes now at 12 or even 22%, even 24 well, 24 beats 41, right? Would yeah, you rather pay taxes at 24% or 41%? And you want to do enough so that you're avoiding those higher rates and those higher brackets, things like that. So step one to lower your taxes on required minimum distributions is to plan it out ahead of time. Step two is to use your IRA for charity. And the majority of our clients are charitably inclined. They give, I think, at least average, probably even more than average. I'd, I'd be willing to bet that we have a lot of people that give more than average. So we've got people that are giving away thousands of dollars a year, tens of thousands of dollars a year, and it's a great thing. And what's so interesting about giving money away to charity right now tax-wise is they changed the tax law a few years back where so many people are not able to do the itemized deductions anymore. That's right. And their charity is awesome. Keep giving money to charity, but it just might be the case that you're not getting the advantage tax-wise on it. And thankfully, about 10, 12 years ago, they came up with this rule called Qualified Charitable Distributions. It means you can take the money from your IRA directly to charity, and it does not show up on your tax return. So a lot of people, when they hear that, they say, well, well, who cares to get a deduction anyways? I'd be willing to bet you don't, right? Maybe that was true a few years ago, but now that's probably not true. Mm -hmm. And let's just pretend it is true. Maybe you are getting the tax deduction. So people are saying, what does it matter? I get 10 grand out of my IRA. It shows up as income. I give 10 grand away to charity. It shows up as a de deduction. 10 grand minus 10 grand is, is zero. It didn't affect my taxes at all, right? Wrong. You take money out of your IRA and that will affect your provisional income, which will affect how much your social security goes up. So yes, you might have taken 10 grand out of your IRA, Maybe you got the 10 grand itemized deduction, and it just might also be the case, 10 grand minus 10 grand is not zero, because you still have that potential 8,500 of Social Security I talked about earlier showing up as extra income 
on your return. Mm-hmm. So not having the income show up at all is way better than having the income show up and the, then getting a deduction taken out of there. That's the biggest thing. The second part of it is if you are in the itemized deduction area, the higher your income is up front, the higher the, the bar is set for your medical deductions to be taken out. And so if you have the income show up up front, then you end up with less medical deductions. So let's just say you take the 10 grand, 10 grand out, it did not affect your social security somehow, and you get the 10 grand as a deduction, you say 10 grand minus 10 grand is zero, right? Wrong, because you probably have enough medical deductions that would have showed up if you're the person that's getting itemized, and the fact that the IRA money came out, showed up as income, means less of your medical deductions were allowed. And so it's it's never to the point where, you know, 10 grand out minus 10 grand to charity is zero. There's so many times that you're, you're losing out on deductions, you're adding extra income, so many different things that are on there. You're far better off if you're giving money to charity to have the IRA money go directly to the charity. So it doesn't even show up as income at all. And the age on that is 70 and a half. They came up that with that age when required minimum distributions was 70 and a half. And thankfully, when they bumped things up to 72 for RMDs, they kept the qualified charitable age at 70 and a half. Hopefully, if they bump up the required minimum age to 75, hopefully they keep it at 70 and a half. This is a way that you can plan out your required minimum distributions ahead of time from step one, is if you are charitably minded and you're giving money to charity, go ahead at 70 and a half, and you gotta hit that birthday, like on the on the button, you gotta hit that, go ahead and start giving your charity from the IRA directly to the charity, mm-hmm. as opposed to having the IRA money go to you and then the charity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we see this all the time. We had somebody, uh, they were taking out about 40,000 a year from their IRA, and they were giving about $500 a month to church. Nice. They, were waiting on their social security. You can see how all these things get combined. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were waiting on social security, hit 70. So they started getting about $3,000 a month from social security because they had waited on it and it worked out for them. So at this point in time, they only need like 4,000 a year to come on out to them, right? To just kind of match up. They were needing 40. They are getting 36,000 a year from their social security now. There's only a $4,000 difference, except Every month they're giving $500 a month to church. In reality, the money they need is actually just going straight to church. And so we could not wait. They hit 70. We couldn't wait that six months. We say, we, this is great. We had it on the calendar. They hit 70 and a half. We switched it over. So the IRA money, that $500 a month is going directly from the IRA to the church. They're actually coming out ahead cash flow. The church is hopefully coming ahead because we said, hey, you're saving money on taxes and you're, you're, this is a great thing for you, maybe bump it up a little bit, right? Uh, so that's a common situation that if you're giving money to your church, hit 70 and a half, switch it so that your IRA money goes directly to the church with that qualified charitable distribution. Perfect, yeah, that's a great strategy. Yeah, and it works out for, for so many people. And the, the, the last step here, we wanna talk about the, this next step, works for you whether you're charitable or not, uh, but hopefully again, you're just combining all these things. Step three, the most powerful way and a lot of people are saying okay how do i plan out ahead of time what do i do thanks i i want to plan this out ahead of time but what do i actually do it's step three do roth conversions 
you can somewhat control your required minimum distribution, even if you're already at required minimum distribution age. It's just that you can't control it for this year. Your required minimum distribution is based on the value of your traditional accounts at the end of last year. So a lot of people are forced into these required minimums. They have to take the money out and they say, well, what can I do? You know what, for this year, you really can't do anything other than give that IRA money directly to charity. Mm -hmm. But you can do some things for the future years. Even if you're 70, 70 and a half, 72, 75, whatever age you're thinking of, you can still do Roth conversions. We had an accountant tell a client once, well, you're too old for Roth conversions. Uh, that person was wrong. They, <laughs> uh, they were maybe thinking of contributions and that's a different story. But conversions at any point in time, any age, you can take your traditional money, move it on over to the Roth. That traditional money will show up on your tax return. And why would you do that? Because you're getting to choose the, the year you're getting to choose the tax bracket mm -hmm. that your traditional money will become taxed. Because once it sits in the Roth, that's why you bother converting it. Once it sits in the Roth, you pay the taxes once, you follow the rules, you don't pay the taxes on it again. So these Roth conversions are the, the tactic, like the practical tactic you can do ahead of time before you reach required minimum distribution age. And even if you're already there, no, you can't control how much your RMD is for this year, but you can control it for the future years because the more you Roth convert today, the lower your required minimum will be in the future. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so we talked about here, how do you lower your taxes on required minimum distributions? It's something that so many people are, are worried about ahead of time and yet maybe aren't doing some things. So we want you to think of the three exact things that, that are out there. Plan it out ahead of time. If, if you're not working with an advisor that helps you plan out what your tax situation looks like over your retirement, you need to find somebody else. Step two is use your IRA for charity. If you're giving money to charity, as soon as you reach 70 and a half, figure out how do I get my traditional IRA money directly to charity? Uh, that's gonna be a better tax situation for you. And step three, no matter what your age, especially if you're younger, but even if you've reached required minimum distribution, figure out, should I be doing Roth conversions? And I'll talk about that real uh, briefly before we finish up. A lot of people hear the idea of Roth conversions and they kind of say two things. One of them is, this is great, I'm just gonna do it on all of it. And they're excited to do it on all of it. And what we mentioned earlier, Roth converting everything might not be the best choice. It mm -hmm. might bump you up to too high of a tax bracket. So you gotta figure out the right dollar amount. Which tax bracket are you trying to fill up today to avoid a, a different tax situation in the future? The other thing people say is, oh my goodness, if I Roth converted, I have such a high of dollar amount, that's a huge amount of taxes, I don't wanna do it at all. Well, no one says you have to Roth convert an entire account. You can Roth convert down to the penny. If you got a million bucks in your account, but you go through and say that $20,000 and two cents is the best thing to convert, well, convert $20,000 and two cents. That's, you can get down to the penny on how much you can Roth convert. You don't have to convert everything. And speaking of what you don't have to do, a lot of people here required minimum distribution and they forget the, the M and RMD is minimum. You can always take out more. We'll talk to people and they say, well, I, you know, I, I took out my minimum and you know, I have to wait till next year to take more money out. Uh, no, M is minimum. <laughs> you can take out more. If you need the money, just like Ed Slot mentioned, there's people that need the money from the IRA and go ahead and take it out. It's more 
uh, yes, you do have to take the minimum, but you're, you're allowed to do more than that. And that's, you don't have to wait till next year to, to take your money out again. Yeah, it's your money. Yeah, it's your money. You saved it. And yes, you'll end up paying the tax bill on uh, what it's owed if it's from the traditional account. But that's the whole point. Plan out your, your tax situation ahead of time. Make use of the charitable IRA rules. Do the Roth conversions when it makes sense. That's how you lower your taxes on your required minimum distributions over your lifetime. Perfect. That's great. I love great news. I hear you. Yep. Uh, and good. I, I love uh, discussing with you, Eric. It's been fun to, uh, to, to chat about it. And I want to thank you for coming on. And thank you, too, for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money, and you will make better money decisions. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.